The World Cup on off the ball, covering the good, the bad, and well, the ugly of what's happening in Qatar. Neymar can push the ball between your legs because he just sees things. Subscribe to the OTB Football Podcast feed now. The news round on off the ball with Gillette in association with Movember. Effortless shave, magnificent mo. This is News Talk. Alright, you're welcome along. It is Thursday's Off the Ball. Nathan with you until 10 o'clock. The pre-tournament favourites, Brazil, have just kicked off against Serbia at the World Cup Finals. They, the last of the 32 teams to take to the field in the World Cup. Still scoreless. Three minutes gone. We've had three matches already this afternoon and we'll have loads of analysis coming up over the next three hours. John Giles is going to be with us at half past seven to give his thoughts on the first four or five days of the tournament. Kevin Kilban is over in Qatar. We'll get his thoughts on his beloved Canada at the top of the football show. And Joey and Doe and his beloved Cameroon who were beaten earlier today 1-0 by Switzerland. Uh, 53106 is the text number at off the ball. Amory Donlan is in the studio. Hey, keeping. Hi, Nathan. That's a stacked lineup. Oh, tell you what, only there. the great. That, that is a heck, heck of a team you got already. Myself and Joe Malloy finishing off that five aside alongside John Giles, Kevin Kilban, and Joey Indo. I think, Joe, myself, your seven Kilban wouldn't be seeing much of the ball. Would me and you be better than Giles? <laughs> now. Yeah. <laughs> I, I wouldn't bet it. He'd keep it simple. <laughs> You just keep it simple, I, you see. I have you just, my dads. You, you, just, you just wander around. Amory, where are you playing? Me, up front. Up yeah. front. Yeah. All right, yeah. Steel Typical. Steel. Yeah. yeah. Cruise is on in. Yeah, I'll just, I'll just give the good stuff here and take all the glory. It just sums you up, doesn't it? That's it. Yeah. Uh, Joey and Doe, uh, we had on a little bit earlier on. Uh, we're going to play it out in the football show. Uh, what a guy. You can f- yeah. feel a little bit down. You can feel a little bit down across the day. You know, it can be a long day. And then you talk to Joey and Doe at half station and you go... God, I'm just buzzing for it. Give us a teaser of what's to come. One of the great laughs. Uh, Well, uh, I was reading a lot about Cameroon. It it wasn't a great game against Switzerland. It's one of those where you can kind of take it or leave it. You know, if you happen to be in front of the TV, you'll watch it, but you're probably not cancelling your plans. And they just didn't really have enough quality uh, and Switzerland just edged it. But Samuel Eto'o is the head of the Cameroon FA. He's been there for pretty much a year at this stage and you'll remember they hosted the African Cup of Nations back in January, finished third. Edo wasn't happy with this, got rid of the manager, brought in Rigobert Song, the former Liverpool midfielder, the former Cameroon international. No experience whatsoever. And Edo has basically said, we're going to the World Cup to win it. We're going to beat Morocco in the final. Yeah, pretty specific but ambition high uh, Joey Ando feels this is a very good thing that for too long Cameroon have been too happy to be there and to take part and they've only actually won one game at a World Cup since back in 1994 uh, when they won in the last 16 and they got beaten in the quarter final so their record of late isn't great today was their mm. eight games uh, without a victory and <laughs> In the pre-tournament squad selection, uh, Rigobert Song is reading out the squad and he doesn't seem quite sure of several of the players he's talking about and there was a definite sense that maybe actually Samuel Eto'o had picked the squad and that Rigobert mm. is just there as the face of this. Uh, I think it's fair to say Joey wasn't having that. He was wondering why I was so interested in Cameroon football all of a sudden. <laughs> why, do, why do you care so much about this? Who cares? We're going to win this World Cup. And despite the fact they have to play Serbia and Brazil after this, he still feels quite confident that they can win the World Cup. And uh, yeah, just you know, such a positive guy. It's, I, it, I felt, felt difficult to disagree with him that Cameroon could still win the World Cup despite losing and having to yeah. play Serbia and Brazil in their last two games. 
Yeah, he's one of the greats. Nathan, I mean, you think you're buzzing after uh, some time with Joey and Doe. I've had 80 minutes of Padraig Carrington in Oof. my world today. Ooh. The aim of my Thursdays is just to please you, Joe. And I just delivered this on a plate for you. Job done. Job done. Padraig Carrington came on. No exaggeration to say, and I don't have this experience too often with interviewees, <clears throat> the three of us had to say, Padraig, we just have to end this. You just have to stop talking. You have to go. And honestly, his response was, I just have two more things I want to say. He was not... Uh, <laughs> He was in that kind of a mood. Uh, uh, can I give you a little say? taster? Yeah, as, as, a golf, uh, as a golf lover, you'll enjoy this little tidbit. So, you know those years where um, Harrington had the yips? Yeah. Self-confessed yips. And by the way, it's been a theme on the podcast for the last couple of months that anytime this is mentioned, Peter Laurie says, he didn't have the yips. He, he, he liked the story of just having Harrington the yips more than actually having Harrington them. Things. Yeah, he didn't. He didn't really. So they had a good debate about whether or not Harrington had the yips for a time. <laughs> which, you know, <laughs> was interesting. But during that period, Harrington had very famously gone to Bernhard Langer. You know, the the uh, the prophet, the, the one man in golf who would overcome the pudding yips, famously. And Harrington went to Langer, and I had always wanted to know what Langer had told him. And so I was like, well, listen, if we're, if we're talking here, what did Langer say to you to, to get you out of the yips? And Harrington said, well... 50% of your audience are going to love this. 50% of your audience are going to hate this. He told me whether or not the ball goes in the hole is God's will. <laughs> and that's how I accept misputs. Because Langer is a famously very religious mm. man. And so Langer has almost surrendered control. It's not up to me. If it lips in, lips out, it is God's will. And what did he say uh, his reaction to it was? Uh, well, I, was, yeah, I, I did ask him, did you think where that is genuinely very helpful yeah or did you walk away saying oh bloody hell what do i do with that for god's sake no pun intended he said he found it very helpful and managed to almost hand it over to some greater power it doesn't have to necessarily be god but it's it's, it's beyond my control almost but uh, i thought that was fascinating so anytime you see langer still doing his thing in the champions tour if he ever turns and looks at the sky after missing a putt and mutters that's what he's doing. Right. Uh, like, there is a certain truth in that because yeah, which if, you're into, if you're into golf and you're on social media, it'll often come up on your Instagram of um, somebody rolling a putt, the same putt, just rolling it on the same piece of grass from 10 feet down a little ramp. Yeah. And the five, putt, five balls won't roll the same oh, way, okay. despite it being on the same speed, the same bit of grass, because the grass moves constantly. So there is a little bit. You could see the line right. Oh, yeah. You could get the pace right. But something is just off from what you're seeing. So is that the gods yeah. or is that is that science? Who recently it's, won a major uh, and put it down to God's will solely? Uh, every second American golfer who's won a major for no, the last no, twenty someone, years. Someone really Scotty recently. Scotty Scheffler this yeah, year. You're yeah, probably yeah, yeah, about yeah, right, yeah, 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 yeah. And I suspect it was a massive advantage to him. If I you mean, can just oh, hand over the power, yeah, this isn't mm. my fault. Yeah, psychologically yeah. you're winning. Takes yeah, huge pressure off. We talked about this in the show numerous times. I would think it's a massive advantage to Katie Taylor. There was the um, long jump champion, Edwards, uh, who's since lost his faith, actually. But uh, he went out ironclad belief because, well, there's, there's nothing I can do. I mean, it's, it's not my fault if I win or lose. It's God's. So I'd say it's a wonderful uh, comfort to have. So um, there you go. That was what Langer said to Harrington. I, I don't always listen back to Golf Weekly when I'm not on. In fact, rarely. Uh, but I'll be <laughs> listening back this week. Give me one other. Give me one other thing, Joe. 
I, I heard the start of the pod where he was talking about the PIP, which we won't go over again, and the handy three million quid that Shane Lowry and Kevin Kisner managed to take home. Uh, I, I, I left it just as he was saying he he made investigations to find out where he finished on the list. Did he did he find out? Uh, no, I don't think he's eligible. But basically, he came on Golf Weekly to launch his PIP uh, credentials for 2023. He wants the if if Lowry's getting three mil, he wants a piece of that. That is the handiest three mil he will ever earn. Uh, let's get it onto the World Cup then. I've had my first down on the ground, kneeling down, going, oh my God, I can't believe that just happened of the World Cup, uh, watching the Portugal game about an hour ago, uh, mm-hmm. when in the very, very last seconds of the game, the Portuguese goalkeeper, Costa, they're winning 3-2 at this stage, uh, in, was it the 98th minute? And he has the ball in his hands and he just rolls it out in front of him, ready to kick it up the pitch for the referee to blow his whistle. And Inaki Williams is lurking behind him. He doesn't know he's there. And Inaki Williams speeds past him, gets the ball. And I think he's just so excited that he's actually managed to pull this off. He falls over instead of scoring the equaliser. And Portugal hang on and win. It was a brilliant game. Uh, Maybe the best game in terms of pure drama of the tournament so far and it had as you'd expect Amory a record for Cristiano Ronaldo Yeah we'll start there Cristiano Ronaldo breaking yet another record he became the first male player to score in five different World Cup finals that's every single World Cup he's played at now he has scored he found the back of the net from the penalty spot as Portugal beat Ghana 3-2 in Group H his goal initially put them ahead when it was nil all João Felix and Rafael Leao also scoring there for Portugal and they sit top of that group now after Uruguay and South Korea played out a scoreless draw this afternoon that marked the fourth stalemate of the tournament so far. In the first game of the day, Switzerland beat Cameroon one goal to nil in Group G. The only goal of the game there coming in the 48th minute. Five-time champions Brazil, as you mentioned at the top of the programme, have gotten their campaign underway. There's 12 minutes on the clock. They're taking on Serbia, still scoreless in that one. Uh, It's your first day probably out of the office all week, Joe. Did you... Taking all four games? No, I didn't. I didn't. I didn't get a chance. Been one of those days chasing my tail a touch. Was uh, Cristiano good today beyond his penalty? Uh, he, he scored in the first half, but it was disallowed as well. Yeah, he was definitely uh, the central figure of their attack. There wasn't much between Portugal and Ghana uh, at all. Now, he'd been taken off when Ghana scored their second goal with about three minutes left. And uh, as yeah. Ali McCoy said, oh, he's probably happier been rested for three minutes than getting three minutes at the end of the game. Uh, there's a brilliant, brilliant piece of video. Uh, it's definitely going to be a meme of Ronaldo's reaction as the goalkeeper rolls the ball out and doesn't realise that Williams is behind him and he has his head in his hands just going for about five seconds and they get away with it. Uh, like it is a sensational achievement to score at five World Cup finals. Uh, he was unattached in his little blurb uh, ahead of the game now, of course, as well. Yeah. Uh, Portugal were fine. Like, it was definitely, a, a, I think, probably harsh enough on Ghana uh, to end up in beating. There wasn't a huge amount between them. It's been a mixed tournament so far and there have been some very poor games. There's been the scoreless draws and then there's just been some brilliantly attacking games and it seems if you can get an early goal the other team will come back with all guns blazing but all the teams are reluctant to almost go and take that risk to go and score the first goal yeah I think with each passing World Cup as well just by dint of technology and the nature of the world the tactics are increasingly um, familiar there are very few 
uh, teams that are not playing something very um, uh, coherent and, and, and comparable to what we see teams doing in the Premier League. So I'm not surprised to see uh, the shocks plus the short lead in time as well. Um, the player who's excited me the most, I have to say, was Mbappe uh, against Australia. I just thought he has arrived feeling very, very good, very confident in a great frame of mind. He was just electric every time he touched the ball. So I think he is going to have the tournament of tournaments. Um, I'm curious to see what kind of Neymar pitches up as well. I just haven't been in Brazil in particular eight years ago now. I was about to say four. Um, the extent to which he is a god over there and the, the extent to which he is the focus and the extent to which he has collapsed at every opportunity in the World Cup, it completely defines him. So um, as Tim Vickery said the other evening, uh, he's generally Neymar, probably by dint of lifestyle as much as anything. He's better in the first half of the season. Injuries tend to crop up around those knockout stages, Champions League. So uh, this has actually fallen very nicely for Neymar. So Brazil are still uh, nil all after 15 minutes. I'm, I'm particularly interested in uh, in him because, I, look, I just uh, I struggle to warm to him. I don't think he's a good professional. And yet were Brazil to win this World Cup, it's kind of a crowning moment for him and changes how you have to talk about him. It's a very attacking lineup that Chichi's gone with, and he's gone with Casemiro in the middle alongside Lucas Paqueta. We haven't seen a lot of at West Ham, but I thought it was quite instructive the night Mikel Antonio was on match of the day too, and they were asking Antonio could himself and Skamaka play up front for West Ham. And he was like, "Oh no, like if Paqueta is fit, it's him plus one. Like this guy has it all, but he's just been injured. And listen, he's fit now, and maybe he was saving himself for this, so he's playing." Rafinha, Vinicius, Neymar, all in behind Richarlison. So uh, it's going oh, it's in. Nuts. It's insane. Like there is a real degree of uh, Claude McAlealy back in the Galactico days with um, just, you know, you deal with this and give us the ball when you win it back as his uh, teammates ahead of him stand with their hands on their hips. Like Casemiro is going to have to be superhuman. I think what's happened here is they did have Fredge in there mm-hmm. alongside Casemiro, but Richarlison's form has been absolutely irresistible. So they've had to find a way to get him into the team. Uh, Fred has taken the bullet and so you know Casemiro you just sort everything out behind us well there's the options they have off the bench as well which is why there's so many people's favourites whether it is Fabinho or Fred to come on either alongside or to replace Casemiro Gabriel Jesus Bruno Grimares Anthony Rodrigo Gabriel Martinelli all options in the last 20 minutes of games do we yeah. know yet where France and Brazil could meet each other uh, it could so if the Argentina defeat could make a very you could end up in a similar situation to four years ago where it's quite lopsided on one side of the draw so if Argentina were to end up coming second and France win they'd play each other and the winners of that in all likelihood would play England so you'd suddenly have a lot of those teams together and I think Brazil then would be on the other side of the draw I really feel that Serbia could go far in this because of that that even if they finish second it could end up opening up quite a bit for them where they might play Portugal in the next round and then have a relatively straightforward quarterfinal. They've got to, we obviously played them uh, during qualification and you know they finished ahead of Portugal. They were under 20 world champions and seem to have finally got that team together. Mitrovic, we know he can score at international level. He's now proven he can score at Premier League level. He's playing up front by himself. They've Vlahovic on the bench. So like this is a tough game for Brazil to start with. And yeah, keep an eye out in Serbia, folks. A bit late to get a bit on, but. 
A Brazil-France semi-final or quarter-final would be so nice because obviously if they were to meet in a final it could be kind of cagey but because Brazil are so stacked attacking-wise and then France the last night just looks so dangerous every mm. time they have the ball a goal is nearly on it could be a really high-scoring game like you'd imagine it would be. Uh, Roberto Martinez always a very media savvy coach and there has been quite a bit of analysis Joe of the short lead in time and he mentioned that straight away in his post-match interview last night after the win against Canada well you know we'd only five days together what do you expect uh, wasn't the most perfect performance but actually get, just getting a win at this stage is a bit of a bonus and all of the best teams are trying to grow into this and that's probably accounting for some of the performances so far so you do wonder, and we're always guilty, and we can only base it on what we've seen so far, of getting very excited about some teams and maybe writing off some teams, but like an Argentina, with the way the other's results gone, certainly aren't out of this, and actually maybe, bit by bit, being together over the space of two or three weeks, they can build on something? Or is it just such a short tournament that if your confidence is gone early, it's almost impossible to build it back? Yeah, that's, I mean, uh, who knows is the short answer, isn't it? I mean, um, I, I would think there's still room to grow into a tournament and I would think Germany can take a lot from the game and how they played. I would think Argentina can take a lot from the game and how they played. Like there was an element of uh, freakishness about both the performances. So I, I don't actually think confidence will be um, on the floor after either. Like the German players were all massively um, uniform in their comments afterwards that we just didn't react well to the tactical changes. It was, a, you know, almost akin to brain fart. And honestly, if um, if Argentina had just just thought for a moment well Saudi Arabia are playing a very high line here maybe we just delay our runs a moment or run run a touch deeper they could have scored four in the first half so Mm. I I would certainly Argentina they'll come through fine I would think Uh, it does make Sunday evening against Spain for Germany but the maths um, for Germany the group stages need a bit of that because there was no obvious group of death Mm. early on so it's great to have one now yeah I think that's the problem for Germany is the fact that Spain won 7-0 makes it so difficult unless they go and beat Spain to actually qualify yeah. for the last 16. Uh, Gold must really not like Sergio Garcia, says Owen. Well, you know, after uh, all the putts that That's didn't drop. Point. I don't think Sergio has really mastered the art of um, detachment when it comes to missing his putts. <laughs> no. Well, Sergio just blames everybody. <laughs> yeah. It's a lot of people's faults and, and, and not his. Uh, love him or hate him. Seeing Brazil out there means it finally feels like a World Cup, says Paddy. Yeah, it feels mm. like it's properly begun once yeah. you see Brazil. Uh, so 20 minutes gone, Brazil nil, Serbia nil. As I said, we've loads of analysis. John Giles at half seven, uh, Kevin Kilban and Joey and Doe coming up on the football show. What else has been going on in Qatar? FIFA say that rainbow coloured flags and bucket hats will be allowed into World Cup stadiums from this point forward. A number of Welsh supporters were forced to discard their headwear before their opening match against the USA earlier this week. The governing body was responding to the Football Association of Wales's complaint and have said that all venues have been instructed to follow the agreed rules. Uh, 53106 the text number if you want to get in it just feels every second day it's they double down or there's a slight easing maybe this is one of the first slight easings that the Welsh supporters are going to be allowed uh, in wearing their bucket hats it's it's not much really is it no it's hard to even understand the rationale behind when they ease off and when they put their foot down that's the I mean I in years to come there will be really good documentaries about this World Cup and the behind-the-scenes conversations. Why the 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 beer situation was uh, foot down. FIFA, you're not in control of this situation, and they, you know, they they had to take that one on the chin. Similarly with the armbands, they backed down massively, and then on this one now suddenly they're acquiescing. 
perhaps logistically, it's just too difficult to stop and search all these fans. I mean, there was the, the, the images of Manuel Neuer's armband being checked yesterday. Can you do that with every fan? And also, like, I, like pretty easy to smuggle them in as well. You know, I just think it's an unmanageable situation. So perhaps that's why they've backed down here. Who knows? Uh, Steve Thompson was on News Talk this evening. Yes, former English rugby player Steve Thompson says the public's engagement with the issue of concussion is improving. Speaking on the hard shoulder here on News Talk, the 44-year-old World Cup winner spoke about his ongoing battle with dementia. He's one of a group of players diagnosed with early onset dementia who are taking legal action against World Rugby, the Rugby Football Union and the Welsh Rugby Union. They argue that the sports governing bodies were negligent in that they failed to take reasonable action to protect players. During the interview, the Nick White incident at the weekend naturally came up. Thompson says it's good that people's perceptions are changing. You know, when they're banning players, oh, we'll, we'll give them six weeks, but actually they can do a little course and say that, and then, oh, we'll, we'll just put them down to, to two weeks instead. And, you know, some some of the old school was still going, oh, it's gone soft, and it's which annoys me. But, you know, I think, Overall, a lot of people now actually see this and, you know, the backlash from the weekend has been massive and rightly so, I think. And it's just amazing for us that, you know, when we came out, we had people, I had people saying that they wish my kids got run over and stuff because I'd, I'd ruined their, their kids' dream of being professional rugby players and they respect me and now they don't. And, you know, we're just trying to ruin the game. We're not, you know, the game has gone professional at the top and it's sort of filtered through and now it's this big beast that we need to try and we do need to try and tame it and make it safer. And and that's exactly what we're trying to do. Yeah, well, worth listening back to that full interview. You'll be able to get it on the News Talk website. Uh, the News Round is brought to you with Gillette in association with Movember. Effortless shave, magnificent mo. You can sign up or donate now at movember.com. Uh, former GA President Sean McCaig. Yeah, sad news this. The death was announced today of Sean McCaig at the age of 77. The Monaghan native served as Uchtaran between 2000 and 2003 under his watch, Rule 21, which saw British and Northern Irish security forces banned from the association was abolished. The Scotstown clubman also managed the Monaghan senior football team to Ulster success in 1979 and 85. So I think a lot of people will have seen the video footage that went viral a couple of weekends ago from the Leinster hurling clash between Nave Barrog and Aulard de Balak. It took place in Parnell Park. Uh, there was a big scrap on the pitch. It escalated rapidly, moved into the stands. Uh, the Leinster Council are proposing some suspensions. Yes, they've proposed a bans of up to a year for players involved in that recent fight at an intermediate club hurling clash between Nave Barrow of Dublin and Wexford's Aulart the Balloch. The scenes took place, as you say, in Parnell Park. They were on the 12th of November. Nave Barrow went on to win the game after extra time and penalties. They're due to face Bray Emmets in a provincial semi-final in Ochram on Saturday. It's also believed that a penalty has been recommended for at least one supporter. Yeah, we'll have to wait and get the full details on this, Joe. And mm. I think a lot of people would have looked at the footage and thought it's not just a matter for the GEA. Maybe it's a matter for the Gardaí as well. Eh, when you look at the video footage of what happened in the stand, my initial reaction would have been like, maybe the only way you stop this is by throwing both clubs out of the championship and giving everybody a suspension. Now, is that fair on the players who weren't involved or, uh, you know, people who were sitting in the stand just going about watching a game? But it was such 
it was one of those that was quite shocking some of the things that gone on even though we seem to see it on an almost weekly basis uh, yeah. a year for some of the players maybe that's right and proper but you do wonder when it escalates like that into the stand does something more need to happen for the clubs involved as well yeah it's quite telling I have to be honest this doesn't jump into my mind immediately as discernible from so many other videos so I'm not even I don't have a clear cut memory of the video and, and that in itself is such a damning thing to say about like the most wonderful association. I was just talking to somebody yesterday and we were um, making the point that you could walk into any GAA club in the country with any problem and someone would be able to help you. It's this incredible network, this incredible sense of community and that it's tarnished by this culture is such a pity. Um, Look, I think that the ban question, it's an interesting point you raise about throwing teams out. Certainly a year for any individual is really significant. And that is not taking it lightly, to be fair, to the Leinster Council and to the GA. Unfortunately, this is cultural and we could spend an hour talking about, but this, and, and it's one of the things that makes the GA great, that it's our town against your town, our locality against your locality, that fire and brimstone, that emotion, but it bubbles over. And what's more, it is still socially acceptable on too many sidelines and in too many GA clubs. There is still, I believe, a culture in a lot of clubs where if there is uh, physicality on the field, people throwing punches, getting in a scrap, punch up, sideline love it, roar it on. And frankly, in the bar afterwards, I'm not talking about this specific incident. It's a, it's a GA problem. I think it's like, well, sit around and let's uh, tell the story about knocking your man out. I think there's far too much of that still. And until until like the reaction in a, in a club to somebody who lashes out physically on a pitch is one of you really shouldn't have done that you've really let us down as opposed to Jesus you gave your man an awful dig there uh, I, I think culturally it's going to survive regardless of the bands and culturally whether GA likes it or not and it's not unique I mean what we see on soccer sidelines and referees at times is bad but culturally at the moment uh, it's still acceptable in the GA and that's you know a, a year ban will put manners on people but I, I just think it's a cultural problem as much as anything. Yeah, and as you say, I think a lot of people listening to that will go, which one? Which one was that? Yeah, same. Uh, yeah. Brazil, first half chance for them in the game. Brilliant ball in behind along the ground from Thiago Silva. Uh, broke the Serbian defence. Vinicius threw, but um, Linkovic Savic in the Serbian goal out like lightning and managed to get the ball ahead of Vinicius. So free kick to Brazil. It is uh, from out on the left-hand side. 28 minutes gone. Brazil nil. Serbia nil is still the scoreline at the World Cup. Uh, just one last story, and this is going to be a big story, I suspect, over the, the winter because Shamrock Rovers have entered a team in the Women's National League, and it's fair to say they've made a marquee signing first off. That's right. Republic of Ireland international Anya O'Gorman has joined Shamrock Rovers from Peamount United ahead of the new season next year. Rovers are a new club in the Women's National League. O'Gorman was top scorer in the league last season and has been capped 114 times for the Irish national side. All right. Great stuff, Anne-Marie. Stealing the glory for the last half an hour. Oh, thanks very much. <laughs> Joe Malloy, uh, go enjoy Brazil, Serbia. Yeah, see you. Enjoy the show, guys. And for everybody else, of course, go enjoy that Podrick Harrington interview, OTB Sports forward slash Golf Weekly if you want to subscribe to Golf Weekly. Brazil nil, Serbia nil.